Hey, it's good to be here. You guys look amazing. Isn't this a good church? I just want to take a minute and just celebrate your worship team for a second. Yeah. Whoa. I've been... My, my church, we just right now we just have one service, and it's, it's amazing. I love it. I'm not used to three services in a row. And I don't know if you know this, but to, to do the same kind of similar worship set three times in a row, it's, it's possible that by the third time you kind of could have a been there, done that feel to it. That, not you, because this is your first time, but for me it's my third. And, and with your team, it's just like they just bring me into the presence. Mm, I'm just grateful just so good. You guys are blessed. You guys are really, really blessed. Anyway, stretch your hands out toward me for a second. I want you to pray for me. Seriously, stretch your hands out. Just ask that I'll be funny like Pastor Marty is. (laughs) I love Pastor Marty, Julie. Just so good to be here. You guys are great friends. Had dinner last night and just got to share my heart. They're just so safe and good and connection with you guys is always really just rich. Grateful. So you're in this series about the gospel, and Pastor Marty was sharing with me some of what his focus has been, which really excited me. Uh, I I love that the emphasis is that there's this gospel, it's a kingdom gospel, and it's focused not on how do we get to heaven when we die, but rather heaven coming to earth now. That's a big deal. And, And not to minimize the going to heaven when we die part, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but currently the death rate is hundred percent. So, so it actually matters what happens when we die. And the gospel is great news about that. So I'm not minimizing that in any way. But when I read the gospels and I read the emphasis of Jesus, he was all about, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love the fact that when I read Genesis 1, it's, it's unmistakable that I walk away with the sense that God has a purpose for the earth. You know, heaven's doing fine. Right? God wants to, the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. How much of the sea is covered by water, by the way? Yeah, that's a pretty good metaphor to say he wants to cover the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory. The book ends, Revelation 21, with this vision, not of us going to heaven, but of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to the earth and God dwelling on the earth among his people, a new heaven and a new earth joined together. And, and we're positioned in this season of life between the cross and the new heavens and the new earth to be people that represent that reality now so that we're praying kingdom of heaven come, kingdom of God come, let it be on earth as in heaven. And that's the focus of this whole series and I get to, to, to do my part this week. It's a privilege. Here, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom. The relationship between the Holy Spirit and the kingdom. Uh, I'm going to start with a, a verse from Romans 14, 17. Paul's writing to the Romans here and he, he says in this verse, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, just grammatically, we could do some things with with this verse. Uh, First of all, there's kind of a parenthetical. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, and if you read the broader context, that'll make sense. But then he says, the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Of course, we're going to talk 
this morning about righteousness, peace, and joy, but you could even draw out of this passage this statement, that the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. And that would be faithful to the, to the grammar of what Paul's saying here. The kingdom of God is where? In the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be a kingdom people, it's important to learn what it means to be in the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal. And we see this modeled in the life of Jesus. He's the Messiah. What does Messiah mean? You know, Jesus comes and he's proclaiming the kingdom. He's demonstrating the kingdom. He's the king of the kingdom. But why is he the king of the kingdom? Because he's the Messiah. And what does the Messiah mean? He's the one that's anointed by the Spirit. He comes and he goes into Galilee, and Luke says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's baptized by John, and the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. He introduces his own ministry by reading from Isaiah and saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And so this idea of kingdom and spirit, they're inseparable. So Paul tells us that the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. I love the story in John 3 where Nicodemus comes to meet with Jesus. He's, he's a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He comes to Jesus by night because he doesn't want to. He's kind of embarrassed to be seen with Jesus. He wasn't real popular with his, with his peer group. And, and so he comes. He says, listen, we know you're from God. No one can do the things you're doing if God wasn't with them. And he has this conversation where, where this is where we get the phrase born again. You must be born again. And Jesus says, here's why you need to be born again, so that you can see the kingdom, so that you can enter the kingdom. And then Jesus unpacks what it means to be born again by saying, by saying, you need to be born of the Spirit. Then he describes it with this wind analogy. We, we sang it this morning, Spirit, blow on through, come and blow on through. He says, listen, here's what it's like to be a pe people of the Spirit. The wind, it, you can't see it. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But you hear the sound of it. You see the effects of it. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We, we were designed to be a kingdom people. And what that means is that we're people of the Spirit. We're people who know how to live in the Spirit. And that's where you're going to find the kingdom is in the Spirit. And I want to teach you practically how to be in the Spirit. Because if you can be in the Spirit, that's where you'll discover the kingdom. And that's where the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom will come in and through your life. It's very practical. And it's not complicated. I'm not, gonna, I'm not about to give you this, well, I've never heard anything like that before. I'm about to teach you the simplest thing you've ever heard. Did you know that you actually get to choose what you pay attention to? And you can pay attention to the presence of the Spirit upon you. And that's how you learn to live in the Spirit. John talks about this. John, John the Apostle, he was a uh, they tried to kill him, the Romans did, and they couldn't kill him. They dipped him in boiling oil, and that didn't do the trick. So they, it's like, we can't just turn the guy loose, and we can't kill him. What are we going to do? So they put him on in exile on an island called Patmos, where he's just kind of living in isolation, where he can't affect much. And, and he says, this is the beginning of Revelation, he says, and I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. John knew how to be in the Spirit, do you? 
and it has to mean something. It's not just that, that John was kind of using religious language. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The implication was, like you and me, he's not always in the Spirit. I mean, some of you are probably always in the Spirit. I'm not. Sometimes I'm in the flesh. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah. And, and, and so I'm not always in the Spirit, but, and probably John wasn't always in the Spirit, but he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. John knew how to be in the Spirit. Do you? Now, the Holy Spirit's always in you, but are you always in the Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you when you become a believer, when you get born. He indwells you, and you can have a bad day, and He won't bail. Isn't that good news? He's in there, but He can be in you without you being in Him. Do you know how to be in the Spirit? Because that's where the kingdom is, in the Spirit. To be a kingdom person, you've got to learn how to be in the Spirit. It's this simple. You, You... Practice turning your attention, your awareness, your focus onto the fact that the Spirit is upon you. It's it's not ever more complicated than that. You actually get to decide what you focus on. And most of us are focused on our circumstances, on our challenges, on our problems, on our plans. And and, and some of that's good and some of that may be toxic, but, but you can actually choose to prioritize an awareness of the presence of God on you. Did you know the Holy Spirit is upon you? You know, we're not waiting for Pentecost. Newsflash. 2,000 plus years ago, God poured out His Spirit on all flesh. Check and see if you qualify. I do. Men, women, young and old, regardless of socioeconomic class, he says, I'm going to pour them out. We sang about it this morning. And we do. We, we say, Holy Spirit, come. We ask God to move. We, we ask God to pour his spirit out. But we've got to be careful what we mean by that because those are legitimate prayers, but we need to mean something legitimate by them. When we say, Holy Spirit, come, we're not asking him to move from a place he is to a place he's not. Find me such a place. God is omnipresent. He's fully present in every place. He's not diffused through the universe like a gas so that there's a little bit of him in every place. God is so big and so infinite, so eternal that he is fully present to every place. There isn't a molecule of your body that God, the the eternal God of the universe is not fully present to. So when we say, God, come, we're not asking him to move We're actually tuning our attention to the reality of his presence. And the shift isn't in his location. The shift is in our awareness. And he comes. And that's a legitimate thing to say, not because he's moving, but because that's how it feels. That's a legitimate description of what the experience is like. When you become aware of his presence, it's, it's as if he comes in the room. We sang it. I I feel it in my bones. He's about to move. Oh, I've got news for you. He's not about to move. He's moving. And it's legitimate to say, I feel it in my bones. He's about to move. But what we mean by that is I'm about to step under the waterfall that's been pouring out for 2,000 years, and it's going to change me. It's a big deal that we learn how to be in the Spirit. Just Let's try it. Can we just do an experiment? I like to, church should be a laboratory sometimes where we don't just learn about stuff, we do stuff. 
Tr- trust me, just try this. No, I, I, I sometimes want to say nothing weird will happen, but I actually don't know. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you that. Just close your eyes and something weird might happen, but who knows? That's not my goal. Close your eyes for a second and just pay attention to the fact that God is present, that the Spirit is on you. He's resting on you. The oil of his presence, the wine of his presence, the fire of his presence. It's a theological fact. Just pay attention to it. Become aware. You don't have to be worthy of it. Jesus is worthy of it. It's all grace. Just pay attention to the fact that God's present. You may not even know the Lord, but he's in this room, I promise, and you can pay attention to his presence. It'll be good for you. You might be meeting him for the first time right now because he's here. You just do that for a little bit, a few moments, a few minutes. The theology of his presence will transition to the experience of his presence. And you will be in the Spirit. All right, look back at me. How many of you, just raise your hand if you sensed his presence right then as we did that. All over the room, right? And that I saw, nothing, it wasn't super dramatic. And, and I don't mind drama. I actually kind of enjoy it when it happens. It tickles me. But I, I'm not looking for a certain level of emotion or physical response. I, I'm just saying you could do that on a regular basis in the secret place, in your place where you pray, go in the, you know, your prayer closet or just a little chair where you read your Bible and journal or whatever that looks like for you. You can just learn to pay attention to his presence like that. You can practice it on the way to work. You can practice it while you're exercising. You just practice paying attention to his presence and you will learn how to live your life in the spirit. And as you learn to live your life in the spirit, you will become a kingdom person because the kingdom of God is where? In the spirit. In the spirit. It's that easy. It's never more complicated than that. I love it when I lay hands on people and, I, and, and God touches them and they get real emotional. I love that. I just Any sign of God's presence and God's activity blesses me. And I want to honor that. So I, I'm admit, I, I love it when I touch people and they have some physical thing. People shake, people fall down. Been in church where people bust out and just run around the room. It just tickles me to death. I just like, wow, Lord, it's so great. I sometimes feel heat. I feel oil. I feel a little. I get a little twitchy sometimes. God will touch me, and I get this kind of little Holy Ghost twitch that happens, and I don't know why. I think it's weird. I don't. I don't need that to happen when God touches you. I don't mind if it does, but I just want you to become aware of His presence. Doesn't surprise me because your body, soul, and spirit that when you become aware of his presence, you might respond to him, body, soul, spirit. That just makes sense to me. But I'm not looking for a certain level of drama. I don't need you to have my experience or your neighbor's experience of the spirit. But what if we became a people 
who lived with an awareness of God on us. Bill Johnson says that the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but he's on me for yours. What if we became a people who live that way, where yes, he's in me, but he's on me? My worship leader, one of them, Summer Sheely, she, she says, he's on me! <laughs> and I think, yes, Lord, let, let's, let's all live with an awareness. And it's not just for people on a platform. I'm not saying he's on me because I'm a preacher. I'm saying he's on me because I'm a believer. And it shifts how I see myself, that I walk into Starbucks or I walk into my life or I walk into a meeting or I walk into a friend's house. And it changes how I am in those situations if I walk in with an awareness of his presence, an awareness of his spirit on me, that I actually choose to honor the anointing on my life. What if you did? What if you, what if it, it's, it's a false humility to think, oh, somebody else has that, not me. That's actually arrogant because Jesus has poured his spirit out upon all flesh. And for you to think that you don't qualify for that and that you know better than him is, a, is an incredible arrogance. What if, what if we repented of that false humility and began to really genuinely honor the presence of the spirit on you, on you, on you, regardless of age, regardless of, of any kind of social status, that because you're a believer, you began to honor, oh, God's in me, and the Holy Spirit's been poured out on me, and I'm going to take that real serious. It would change everything in Longview, Texas. Now, let's talk about the three things. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. So the first of all, the kingdom of God is righteousness in the Holy Spirit. So as I learn to live in the Spirit, and in the Spirit I begin to experience the kingdom, one of the first things that's going to happen is that righteousness is going to move from the category of a theology I affirm to an identity I embrace. And it's going to become from, from conceptual to experiential. Because in the Spirit is an experience, it's not a theology. The kingdom is not a theological concept. It's a present reality among us. And if in the kingdom, in the spirit, I'm going to encounter righteousness, then that's going to be something I receive, not just something I intellectually affirm. So what, what does that mean? I grew up thinking that righteousness was uh, right behavior. But righteousness is not right behavior. Right behavior could be a manifestation of righteousness, an expression of righteousness, but right behavior is not the essence of righteousness. The essence of righteousness is this, right relationship. And that's what Jesus came and provided for us. He, he, he came, and Jesus came, and he lived, and he was crucified, and he's buried, and he rose from the dead, and he's ascended, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father in order to make this possible, where you're now, if you're a believer, in right relationship with God through Jesus. And it's more than forgiveness. It includes forgiveness. The slate is wiped clean. You're cleansed of all your sin, all your iniquity. But you've become a new creature. You've moved from a place of being an orphan to being a son. You're outside the family. Now you've been brought inside the family. There's therefore now no condemnation. You, you, 
And it has nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with Jesus' performance. The picture of that is the lamb that they would bring to sacrifice in the tabernacle in the temple. And you're a family and you're bringing your lamb to be sacrificed, uh, which was a type of shadow of Jesus who's ultimately the lamb. And you bring and present your lamb to the priest. The priest doesn't examine you to find out if you're without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He, he, He inspects the lamb to find out if the lamb is without spot or wrinkle or blemish. And, and it's the lamb that gets examined, not the person who needs the lamb. <laughs> your, your righteous, yeah, it's good news. This is a gospel. Your, your righteousness does not depend on your performance. It depends on Jesus. And wow, he has fully provided it. To, to what extent? To the extent that righteousness is not just something that you have, it is now something that you are. We sang it this morning. I'm a saint. I am righteousness. That's not just a nice thing to say. That's Bible. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us. He didn't just take it on. He became it. That we might become, become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father looks at Jesus and says, where's my righteousness? And Jesus says, oh, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. God's righteousness is not just something that you have. It's now something that you are. (laughs) Now, there'll be some shifts in your behavior that flow from that identity, I promise. But that's not because of your shift in behavior. It's because of what Jesus did. And in in the kingdom, in the spirit that reality becomes more than just a theology that I learn and intellectually affirm. It becomes the way I see myself. Some of you don't, you you have a hard time honoring the anointing on your life because you don't feel very righteous. You still look at yourself according to the old man, according to the flesh, according to who you were, according to the ways maybe you still currently struggle in life and you think, well, I'll be anointed someday when I straighten up my act. You have a hard time honoring the anointing on your life because righteousness to you is a theology. It's not an impartation. And in the spirit, in the kingdom, you can settle into this place where you know that you're right with God, that there's nothing in between you and God. That he, that there's no shame, there's no disapproval. He's not, you're not on some Christian version of probation until you straighten up your act. That you're fully a son, fully an heir. It's grace. Righteousness. Second, the, king, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace in the Holy Spirit. It's the, kingdom of, the kingdom of God is, is peace in the Holy Spirit. Now, peace is more than, uh, uh, what did the eagle sing? A, a peaceful, easy feeling. Right? Uh, it, it, it's more than just the absence of anxiety or the absence of conflict. Paul was a Jewish rabbi, and he, he meant something very Jewish by this. And the Jewish concept of peace is shalom. And so their idea of shalom wasn't just, oh, we feel kind of nice. Their idea of shalom was this, that God is so present among us that the broken places are getting healed. That broken creation is becoming new creation. That that sickness is turning into wellness. (laughs) 
that poverty is becoming abundance, that orphans are becoming sons and daughters. It, it's, it's this, how is God going to heal what's broken in my world? Oh, shalom is going to show up. <laughs> the presence of God that sets right what needs to be set right. Anybody need that in your life? You got some stuff that's broken, needs to get through relationships, your, your, your circumstances, your life, your body, your, your soul, where you're like looking like, man, I'm a mess. I need, there's some broken stuff in me that needs to be set right. How's God going to do that? Shalom is going to come. He's going to become so present with you that healing starts to happen as a result of his presence. His voice, his touch, his working in your life. And okay, how can I get access to this shalom? Where is the shalom? It's in the kingdom. It's in fact what the kingdom is. And well, where can I get access to this kingdom? In the spirit. And here's, here's what I would tell you as a believer. You, you have unlimited, immediate, unhindered access to the shalom of heaven, in the kingdom, in the spirit, because you're in the spirit, because of what Jesus did right now. It's just present. Shalom. You can get healed right now. You don't have to have anybody pray for you. You can have depression break off of you right now. You can just get well in his presence. Not just today, tomorrow. And the next day, and for the rest of your life, and for all eternity, you can just live in the shalom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I love this one. Everybody show me what joy looks like. Okay, that's, that's kind of it. It's a little taste, a little giggle. Everybody smile. Practice. We'll have some joy rehearsal. No, seriously, try it with me. It's, it'll, it'll, trust me. You're like, but nothing's funny. No, f- funny is the beginning of the beginning of joy. Joy, you don't have to have a punchline for joy. You, you can have joy when your life is hard. You can have joy in the middle of grief. Without, and the joy of heaven uh, doesn't in any way squelch the grief. It just infuses it with hope. Joy is a real thing. Joy actually looks like something and sounds like something. You know who, who, who are the, the people who are the worst at joy? Church people. <laughs> Got to be reverent, you know, in the house of God. <laughs> you know God isn't like that? God is in a good mood. God, God is right now sitting in heaven laughing at his enemies. Read it in the Psalms. Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness beyond all of his companions. Read it in Psalms, read it in Hebrews. Jesus is the happiest person you've ever met. He is full of joy. I know, I've met him. Trust me. Right? And And you can give yourself permission to smile. I don't have anything to smile about. Well, maybe you do. 
maybe like all these other things, it's more about not getting God to do something, but becoming aware of what He's done and what He's doing. Let me, let me read a, a verse from the Psalms to you. I just love this. It's Psalm 126. Verses 1 and 2. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, that means when He brought us back from the exile in Babylon, the exile in Persia, brought us back to Jerusalem. When, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. We're like, is this even real? We're just walking around Jerusalem going, it, this can't be real. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. What do a redeemed and set free people look like? Some of you look at me like, that's not what it looks like. <laughs> then our mouth was filled with laughter. Everybody say, ha ha. It's contagious, isn't it? You don't have to wait for revival to break out. You already have something to be happy about. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. What is God's plan to increase his fame on the earth? It is for your mouth to be full of shouts of joy and full of laughter because you have such an awareness of what you've been set free from and what you've been set free to. And the lack of joy among the religious is because they live their life disconnected from that. Try it again. It, it actually is fitting for you as a believer to do this. You ought to be tired. Your face muscles ought to be sore at the end of the day because you just... And you're like, wouldn't it be better if that just happened to me involuntarily? That is a terrible way to live the Christian life. What if we approach giving that way? Well, I'd give if money just fly out of my wallet into the offering box. What part of our Christian life doesn't require our participation, our choice, our surrender? I just want to tell you, what, it, what would it hurt if you surrendered to joy? What are you waiting for? When is what Jesus did going to be better than it is right now? When is he going to be more worthy of it? The Bible says, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And it's a command that actually demands your response. That you enter into joy. That you choose joy. That you, but while well, I'm grieving, awesome. Grieve on. My life is hard. My circumstances aren't perfect yet. Welcome to my world. Joy. And in the kingdom, in the spirit, there's joy. You have an unlimited supply. It is unhindered. You have direct and immediate access. You're actually walking right now in your life in as much joy as you're choosing. How's that working for you? How, what's that like for the people around you? Your level of joy. Could they stand you to have a little more or a little less? <laughs> how's, that, how's that affect, how's your joy level affecting your parenting? Your marriage. What if you became the happiest person your children have ever known? How terrible would that be? What a bummer. 
You don't need revival to break out, to have joy. You, you can have joy because Jesus has set you free. He really has. And if revival breaks out and we have some involuntary joy, that's fun too. I like it. I'm into it. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about abiding joy. Where you wake up in the morning and you smile at Jesus. And you smile at your spouse. And you smile on the way to work. And you just think, I've been set free from so much. And you just go, (laughs) And you come into church and you shout for joy. And the fame of God will spread through the region if a people set free become enough of a kingdom people that they actually smile. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me end with this. The context of that verse in Romans is Paul trying to get the Roman church to be nice to each other. Be sensitive to each other. They're so free in Jesus that they're making decisions that don't take the community into account. And the kingdom freedom is a different kind of freedom. It's, it's, you're, you are so free from legalism that there isn't any rule that you can't follow with joy. Isn't that great? That's the context. And they, they had all kinds of rules about what to eat and what to drink. So he says the kingdom of God is not about that. It's not about eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But here's the application for us, because you may not be worried about what to eat or drink. But when we become a kingdom people, it affects how we love each other. It affects how we adjust our lives in order to protect the community. It actually makes a safe place for community to develop and happen. And I think we ought to be a kingdom people. Amen? Why don't you stand with me?